Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 68th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm excited to catch up with one of my former co-workers from the Delmarva Shorebirds, Eric Sishow. Eric is out of baseball now, but spent eight years with the Shorebirds in a number of different capacities, ranging from sales, community relations, and marketing. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. There's 67 other great episodes with amazing people that work in minor league baseball with so many different backgrounds and, more importantly, stories. Let's continue to shout out the top cities that people are listening to the podcast in. Okay, the top cities that people are listening to the Pulling Tart podcast in are... Rockford, Illinois, Lebanon, Ohio, Huntsville, Alabama, Kennewick, Washington, Washington, Virginia, Brooklyn, New York, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, Jacksonville, Florida, Chicago, Illinois, and Logan, Ohio. Shout out to those cities for listening to the Pulling Tart podcast this past week. Thoroughly appreciate that. If you want an individual shout out, that's pretty easy to do, folks. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. Uh, Virgil Brooks actually did that this week, and I would like to share his comment. And it's titled, Quintessential Listening for MILB. I started listening to the Pulling Tart podcast a few weeks ago and have enjoyed listening to the backlog trying to catch up. I have learned so much about the inner workings of the minor leagues. Bobby is a fantastic host and I am looking forward to future episodes. Thoroughly appreciate that, Virgil. Um, Man, that's so awesome that you're enjoying going back and listening through the catalog. Um, Yeah, just so many good episodes back there, and uh, excited for you to uh, enjoy future episodes with us here. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, folks, at... It's R.A. Kuhn, that's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N, for all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tart podcast, you know, who my upcoming guests are going to be, where you can ask them questions at, um, just thoughts in general, um, and then also that's where you can reach out to me um, to become a featured guest as well. With that being said, let's chat with Eric Sishow, one of my former co-workers from the Delmarva Shorebirds.
Eric, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Super excited to catch up with you again, my man. Yeah, Bobby, it's it's good to be on. Um, obviously, you're doing a great job with it, and it's I'm honored to be to be a guest and honored to, to jump on with you. And I know we've we chat periodically, but it's good to actually be able to chat and you know go through what what we have is probably a laundry list of memories. So mm-hmm. we probably make multiple episodes of this pod, of, of this version of your yep. podcast and this episode, but hey, we'll try to keep it short, so. <laughs> All right, so, um, so yeah, man, what's it like working outside of baseball after eight years? It's weird. It, it's different. Um, certainly, with, with everything that's happened with COVID over the last year and, and not seeing baseball happen, to, to be able to see it back is like a refreshing sight, but... Mm-hmm. It's different. Um, it's certainly certainly a, d- a different challenge. It's it took a while, even when you know, as you know, I left the left the Marvin after the 2019 season, and you know, at the end of September, so the season wrapped up and whatnot. It was weird, even like in October, November of 2019, getting used to normal hours, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a different sense in in Del Marvin and minor league baseball in general. There's just a different sense of busy. Once you get to October, November, it's sales, 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 renews, renews, groups, tickets, sponsorships, promotional schedule, new marketing, wrapping up stuff for ownership, getting stuff ready for minor league baseball, for winter meetings and reports for minor league baseball. It's just a different type of busy. Mm-hmm. So it was weird just kind of getting used to normal hours. And then even when there was no season in April and May of 2020, and even now, it's just, it's weird just like I come home some days and like, what do I do? Yeah. I get. Like, what do I do? Yeah, um, and shout out to you. Fun. Yeah, I think you were one of the first people that you know we were talking about, like both of us potentially leaving the Shorebirds. Um, and I told you this idea that I had for the for this podcast, and yeah. and you said, well, you know, if, if you know things come to fruition, like roll with it man like if you if you're gonna have the time like i think it's a good idea and here we are um this is the 68th episode so um shout out to you for for giving me some confidence to to start this and continue it um of course of course uh so what's it like now being a season ticket holder with another team uh with the salem red sox yeah so we're you know, I'm about 10 minutes from from Haley Toyota Field and Salem Memorial Ballpark for the Salem Red Sox. And, you know, again, we, we had bought, my wife and I had bought season tickets or season ticket plan in 2019 in prep for 2020. And, like, you know, we rolled it over. And, you know, they gave us multiple options of how to handle that last year. And it's like, no, we're going to support you guys and we want to be there for you. It's cool. But, again, at the same time, it's like, and you'll kind of hear me mention this, you know, as we're as we're talking here is it's just different it's i still have this sense of and i'm watching promotions and i'm watching concessions right i'm keeping an eye on like how their promotion on their promotional schedule and we're watching video board stuff which i know is something we're going to dive into Mm -hmm. and it's cool it's cool to just support them um we were there last week and we were there opening night they did a great job and first baseball game in 18 months for everyone and they did a great job we were there last thursday for their first thursday thursday great crowd a lot of folks from Roanoke College, a lot of students, just a good crowd. Nice. And honestly, chatted with a lot of their staff pretty much the whole game, just 
changes, what are happening, how are you doing things? And it's funny. So our, our ticket rep, I won't say his name or what his, what his position is with Salem, but he, you know, now that capacity's opened up here in the state of Virginia and they're allowed to have full ballpark, you know, like most teams, they've had zip ties on seats and social distancing, mm-hmm. really having to maneuver around where ticket holders sit and a lot of your ticket holders that have had like their seats. Well, they're not in there. So they're not in their normal seats. They have tickets, but they're not in their normal seats. Right. And the gentleman at Salem said to me the other day, he goes, yeah, so now that we're full capacity, he goes, you know, we're going to have to move your guys' seats to a different spot. And I go, you do you. Like, right. put us wherever. We're here to come to the game. We're here to support you. We're here to support the team. And then he goes, you know, you're probably the only one in this ballpark that truly understands the headache that we're about to go through over the next week and a half. Mm-hmm. Putting people back into the seats that they bought and have committed to for, you know, one year, five years, ten years. And I go, yeah, probably I'm the only one that truly understands the nightmare that you guys are about to entail. So, it's cool to be supporting them. It's cool to, to be out there. They did a lot of great things through COVID with supporting the community and supporting the hospital system. And um, they had a couple different, like, to-go meals. So they did a lot of good things. And now they're just, like, kind of back and better than ever with just nice. the baseball and the enjoyment of it. So they got a lot of good things on the horizon for the season. So That's awesome. That's that's so cool. Um, I was going to tell you, like, this is, this is, like, kind of funny. So... You know, I worked for the Shorebirds back in 2019 was my last year. And, you know, right after the season ends, you go right into sales mode. And I sold um, the ticket plan that my current uh, employer has. And so, like, in a way, and and so she gives me the tickets, you know, sometimes. So, in a way, like, I already got paid like to go to this game which is which i think is kind of funny like just like because i already got the commission from making the sale back in 2019 before i left and now it's you know of course with no season in 2020 and now i'm using these tickets that i actually sold to my employer so i think that's pretty funny but yeah so well i got you asked me the question i gotta ask it back to you being the host what what's it like for you using those tickets as a mini plan holder with delmarva you know, oh. I haven't been. I, hopefully, I get back to a game this year, but we'll see. But what's it like for you now? Oh. I mean, you're you're in the same seat as me, but actually going to the team that you know you were with for the last four or five years. Yeah, um, it's a little strange. Uh, no joke. I was on the phone for probably like twenty minutes with with Joe Delucia, who was on this podcast a while ago. He's yeah. he's my ticket rep, and um, you know, he was walking me through on how to change my seat because I wanted to sit next to our buddy Chip and um so I basically just changed like the one seat and um yeah I was on the phone with him and he like walked me through that and I'm like dude this is way different from being being on on this side of things um but yeah just like you I'm I'm going there and I'm you know I know the ins and outs of the video board I know you know the ins and outs of the promotions and and that kind of stuff um so i'm kind of like always like i don't want to say judging but like you know like oh that's that's different from from when you know sish and i were here um oh that's pretty cool i didn't think about doing that like that actually turned out pretty well like you know that kind of stuff um but also like I don't know, you know, I have an idea, but I don't know the ins and outs of the obstacles that the staff had to endure. Um, You know, I went there 
and Sam Jelinek, who is also on this podcast, who is now the lead broadcaster for Delmarva, um, which that couldn't have turned out any better if you ask me. But um, so Sam was actually telling me, you know, he's not going on the road with the team right now. Um, And then he said, I have not met any of our players yet. And so that answered the question. I made a comment to you about how they're using uh, headshots from Orioles spring training on the video right. board. And, like, right. there's, no, there's no pictures of them with Delmarva caps on um, for headshots. And so that answers that question, that they couldn't have a media day. And, you know, um, you know Chris Bitters, who says that he's going to be on this podcast uh, sometime next month, um, you know, he said he's met the manager one time. And he like they've they have not interacted with the team or members of the team whatsoever. See, it's so odd because with what you and I did, especially with the video board stuff, and I don't want to like jump ahead to what we're going to talk about, but that interaction with the players is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And just the beginning of the season, with just something as simple as headshots, which um, you know, photo gel. Um, would always take and that process just getting to know the guys with whether it's getting to know the guys with what their personality is or what their walk-up song was or just being able to I mean as you know it usually took you and I as well as everyone else a good month to put faces to name of who was who right right and just with them walking in the front office in the side door back from the tunnel or coming into your eye to change your walk-up song in the first month of the season after they just picked one but that's a whole other story <laughs> is Man, like, and, and I was talking to the folks at Sam about this, and there's a lot of other things that um, are just different. You know, the field is like a bubble. Mm-hmm. And unless you have this level 20 million security clearance, like, you're not allowed on the field at all. Right. Whether you're front office or you're the, you're the general manager or you're, you know, the, the, the clubby. Like, the clubby is, like, the only one. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those folks are not truly front office staff with a lot of minor league organizations. They're just there for the season. Right. Um, it's weird. It's going to be different how how this all progresses forward. Like looking more to next year, with the way the schedules are with all the leagues, it's it's six game series. That's just that's so it's just. I know. Just like that's not minor league baseball, but it's what we got to do. You know, it's what they got to do right now. Right. Year. Right. Oh, another another strange thing was um you remember david barry right yeah um i'm looking forward to seeing him when salem or when delmarva comes to salem at the uh, end of august he he is you know in full uniform um baseball pants and all and he is the first base coach so he he went from being um the track man guy like you know you know what we call you know like the the analytics you know nerds if you will um and now he's coaching first base. And I was like, dude, how'd you go from being behind a couple laptops to, to now being the first base coach? But, yeah. that I mean, it was pretty cool to see him, though. Um, but, yeah, it's it, there's just a lot of things. Um, like, you know, and then, you know, we're in that group chat with a bunch of Shorebirds guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we heard, you know, the call, how many times they had to call each season ticket holder and, yeah. and keep them up to date on that kind of stuff. And, and introducing all of the, um, you know, the lack of printed out tickets, um, right. um, the um, 
purchasing your parking passes online, you know, like trying to walk through, you know, and Delmarva has its fair share of older season ticket holders. And um, so that was not an easy, yeah, that was not an easy process to to walk them through. Um, and then, of course, the, um, yeah, the, the seats, you know, marking those off and, and you zip lining or zip tying those and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of work, a lot of hoops that they had to jump through, but, um, just glad that they're back and at full capacity now for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the intro, I alluded to the fact that you worked in Delmarva in a number of different capacities um, yeah. sales, community relations, marketing, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, and you're, you're still kind of dabbling in sales, um, with your, with your new job. So yeah. what's the number one secret to sales in your opinion? You know, when you sent over that question a couple of days ago, I'm like, man, that is a darn good question and a loaded one because, <laughs> You know, I really thought about it is I really honestly, and a lot of that goes to what I'm doing now. And, um, you know, for the listeners, I, I vice president of membership with the Roanoke Regional Chamber of Commerce. So work directly with with members and a lot of business B2B sales and B2B things. But I, I really think and again, when I was in Delmarva, you know, I grew up in grew up in Ocean Pines outside of Ocean City. So I grew up with the team. You know, I remember when my grandparents had season tickets to the Shorebirds back in their inaugural season in 1996. Wow. And it's funny. I always remember looking up in the system. You know, I find my grandfather's name in the system. Like, not <laughs> Glitter. Not Glitter in the system, but, but FileMaker. FileMaker. Go oh. to FileMaker. I okay. remember finding my grandfather in the system, like, early on when I started back with the team in 2012. Just wild. So I think what it comes down to is relationships. Mm-hmm. Just simply that. I mean, there was when I started with the team back in 2012 as an intern, and then I was part time inside sales in 2013, and then um, was able to, you know, there was an opportunity to come on board full time starting in October of 2013, and then, you know, until I left in late September of 2019. It all came down to relationships. Like, yes, I knew a lot of people just from growing up in the area. I knew a lot of people. I mean, that's just, I grew up in the area. I, I knew people to call and people to reach out to, but it still took the relationship building process to get them to be a buyer, whether it be for tickets, whether it be for groups, whether it be for sponsorships, you had to always build that relationship year after year, specifically when you have the sponsorships. And you know this from, from selling sponsorships with, you know, with your, what your role was and what, what we did in Delmarva is mm-hmm. you knew you, it, it just came down to relationships. Yeah. listening in relationships and the better relationship you had and you know there was folks on staff that are still there with Delmarva that regardless of some other challenges they may have had they had great relationships with people and those were layup renewals just absolute layup renewals in the off season mm-hmm. I, I agree um, and, and you and I have both seen you know you, you get a person or a business on like a kind of like an entry level sale and then, yeah. you know, three years from then, you know, they're having a group outing or, yeah. you know, they're, they, they want to be on the video board or, you know, something, you know, and it, and it just works out, you know, like they trust you enough with their, with their money yeah. to, to make wise decisions on where their brand's going to be in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, 
So, so yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it could, could be a 12-game plan at first, and you're like, oh, okay, well, it's just a 12-game plan. and But then it grows, you know, like every year. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I'm still in sales now as well. Um, yeah. And even going back to, to Beloit, like when I didn't have a clue about sales, it comes down to building a relationship with people. You know, the same people that that you're going to go see at the bar or the restaurant or, um, you know, you'll see in line for the bank, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, well, it, I just thought of this is there's a story from my inside sales days that, um, and, you know, shout out to, to Chris Bears, who's the general manager of the Shorebirds, as, as you and I both know, and for the listeners out there, is when I did inside sales 2013, we got a list of folks all we knew, and they were from the $25 giveaway that was done in the middle of the eighth inning every game. All we knew was that they came to a game. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how. We didn't know what group they were with. Were they there for a little league night? Were they there for faith and family night? Were they there for a promotion? We had no idea. We just called. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the folks that I really got to know was um, he, he had silver slugger tickets. So, you know, the, the, the most affordable for that age group, the most affordable plan you could get. And long story short, it turned into a group night. Um, he had, he's a Corvette, he's a Corvette enthusiast, and it turned into oh, a Corvette man. Club of Ocean Pines. And um, <laughs> I laugh about it because we brought him on the field, they did a parade around the field, and man, I, I laugh about it because there was definitely some interesting times with uh, with yes. <laughs> with the Corvette Club driving around the field and doing a parade on the field and those conversations with, uh, with, with Chris and Jimmy. Um, I'm sure <laughs> why we couldn't do it and then trying to communicate that with the gentleman from the Corvette club but I say that as Chris always mentioned is you talk to one person and they have a tree you know do they have kids what school do they go to okay that could be a fundraiser they they're they like Corvettes that could be a group they both work for somebody you know Chris Bitter's always said you got to ask the open-ended questions to then build a relationship, but also find all these different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, he was spot on with that, and that's just the story. You know, you go from talking to a silver slugger to, you know, a, a group night, a Corvette Club group night. To, I mean, him and his wife. You know, these these folks are there. I mean, I talk with them periodically, and I mean, they're invited. They were invited to our wedding. I mean, it's just one of those oh, things nice. where you build that relationship with a random silver slugger in 2013 as a part-time inside sales rep. So. Wow, that that is incredible actually wow okay yeah so anybody that's uh looking to get in the business um number one uh you have to sell something in order to to earn your keep and uh number two uh build relationships that's that's the key um so how the the question is how do i go into this this next topic here um so yerman mercedes has lit the major major leagues on fire this year and yeah. it's incredible it came out of nowhere um just a- absolutely just didn't think that was going to happen whatsoever um he's with the chicago white Sox now but um and this was before my time with delmarva but you know him from being a delmarva shorebird um yes and yes. there there are some stories about him, but one in particular that you've told me, um, if you could go ahead and, and share that about, we all know how players are prima donnas about their walk-up songs. Yes, we do. 
So I'll just I'll just put that out there and let you roll with it. Man, this is a classic. This is a classic. So your Mercedes was originally drafted by the Washington Nationals. Okay. And when he was let go by them, the Orioles picked him up, and ultimately he ended up with Delmarva. So your Mercedes, great guy, um, Andrew Brida, who is both one of our, our one of our former coworkers. Um, we were able to see him once he was with the Chicago White Sox organization a couple years ago with the Winston Salem Dash. Um, and we were just talking the other day, and Andrew was texting me saying, "Hey, do you have that picture of when Yerman and Yerman, me and you took a photo together at Winston Salem?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." He goes, "We got to hold on to that, man." I was telling my coworkers, you know, where he works now, that down in Alabama. And you're right that players are prima donnas when it comes to their walk-up songs. Our boy, but he was our boy, but he was definitely. Well, yeah, so I don't want to jump ahead. But John <laughs> miss that guy. <laughs> Miss John Palupo. He's he's our boy. Where's he at? Where's he at now? Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? I think he was taken in the Rule Five draft. I think he was taken in the Rule Five draft, but so Yarmo Mercedes. So he was with the team a couple different years, but this is 2016. I actually have the I have the press release article up from the game that this story happened. So July 23rd, 2016. Your Mercedes comes comes to me in the afternoon and says, you know, hey, I need to change my walk up. All right, Yerman, I'll get it changed. I'll get it changed before the game. Okay, okay, promise you got to get it changed. Okay, Yerman, I got you. I got you. I forgot that I have <laughs> to do. It's a game day. Like, yeah. you know, there's a million things on our to do list on, oh, yeah. you know, on a daily basis. Some repetitive, some not. Mm-hmm. So I, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> so it's, it's easy my to first do. page 705. And I'm like, oh, crap. Yerman's batting fourth or whatever, fourth or fifth in the lineup. I'm like, crap, I gotta get this in. So, as you know, walk-ups, Bobby, we pretty much sometimes had to download them from YouTube, specifically when it came to the, I'll call it, you know, our, our Yermans or John Palufos, they tend to choose songs that were, were very culturally connected to, you know, how they were growing up, and I oh, yeah. John Palufo always chose a lot of songs, he was from Columbia, yep. and he always chose a lot of songs from Columbia, Colombian artists, and it's, it's great for them to be able to choose those to really pump them up. I agree, yep. And I don't particularly remember what Yerman's was, but I had to download it from YouTube, and then turn it into an audio file, and then upload it into the system, and then make sure it worked, and unplug the speaker, and it's 7.05 and like the game starting, so... I get the song downloaded. I transfer it into an audio file. I unplug the speaker so it doesn't play out to the stadium. We make sure it tested right and literally get the song in 10 seconds before his first at <laughs> bat the first inning. First or second inning. Literally 10 seconds. And I'm like, all right, I got it in. Like, Yerman's not going to be upset at me. Yeah. You know, he's a good guy. He's having a great year. He actually won the batting title that year, if I believe. Oh, okay. South Atlantic batting title, um, which is still a short bird's record, if I recall. So, literally 10 seconds before his first at bat. What does he do first at bat? He hits a home run. It's an absolute bomb. It's an absolute bomb. So, Matt Halig, who is, who is uh, our, one of our former press box co workers and official scorer for Delmarva um, when we were there, is I called Matt Halig. I said, because, you know, there's always this kind of rap between Yerman with his walk up songs. He was having a good year, batting title in line, all this. It's like middle July. Yeah. July 23rd. So I call Matt Haley and doesn't pick up. He calls him back. He's like, hey, I just sung the National Anthem at the O's game. What's up? I'm like, Yerman just hit a home run. He goes, and I said, I just changed his walk up like seconds before. And he's like <laughs> laughing or whatnot. Second at bat, Yerman Mercedes comes up. So I think it's Saturday night, Friday or Saturday night. 
Second at bat, Yerman hits another bomb. <laughs> so we're now two for two with two home runs. Nice. I call Matt Haley again. I'm like, hey, you just hit another home run. <laughs> He's like laughing all over the place. Third at bat. I'm pretty sure it was a third at bat. And hold on, I'm, I'm like reading the press release article while we're you're good. Yeah. So I think he might. So like his third at bat, he might have flied out or ground out or whatever. So third at bat, he comes up. If you can believe it, he hits another home run. <laughs> he finishes the game with three home runs. I don't care what. I don't care if it's early college, high school, or professionals. Three home runs in one game just doesn't happen. Right. So he, he ended the game with three home runs. Somebody got one, somebody got the ball from his third home run, brought it back, and said, "Hey, we want to give this to Yerman. Like this is a record-breaking home run." And I remember giving the ball to Yerman. Um, I don't know if he wanted it, so honestly, I may have it somewhere. Oh. Um, may have a three home run ball. So if Cooperstown, if you're listening, or minor league baseball, which you're yeah. in minor league baseball hall of fame, call me. And we'll get the Yerman Mercedes three home run ball from July twenty third, twenty sixteen. The point is, we changed his walk up song ten seconds before his first at bat, and he goes on to have a career day: three home runs, Shorebirds win. It was like it said in here: Gary and Grin crushed a go ahead run shot in the bottom of the eighth to snap Delmarva's six game losing streak with an eight six win over Canapolis Saturday night. Nice. So you have Gary and Grin with a home run and three home runs from Yerman Mercedes to lead Delmarva to victory in the middle of a hot summer July. It was a moment. Like, it was everybody in the press box was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you changed the walk-up. He has three home runs. Like, what is going on right now? Yeah. So, it what? was a moment. It was probably, that's got to be one of my top moments from my years in Delmarvin. There's a lot to choose from. Was it the um, the walk-up song that was, like, custom-made for him? I don't think so. Because, you, have you heard that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't think so. Well, DJ Stewart had a custom-made one for him when he was with Delmarva. Okay. I feel like he did. I don't know. There were so many. I mean, how many? There's probably a ton of players who came with custom walk-up songs or only played 20 seconds because it cusses before and it cusses after. Right. Like, All right. right. Yeah. So, okay. It was a classic moment. I'm so glad to see Yerman doing well. And yeah. Uh, if I'm able to get to a major league game this year, definitely want to be like, yo, you remember me? Yeah, man. I'm sure he does remember you, honestly. I'm but, sure he would, yeah. But, but classic moment, classic Delmarva moment. I mean, there was a good crowd Saturday, great crowd that night. Man. Tony LaRusso needs to loosen up on him a little bit, I think. He, he does. But he does. Now mind you, it was Delmarva in the comeback. It wasn't up fourteen runs and right. he's banging home runs out the ballpark in Delmarva. But and, and as you know, Delmarva is a tough ballpark. Yeah. It was one of the toughest ballparks in the South Atlantic League to mm-hmm. hit home runs out of. So that alone. I know. Yeah. Well, he has always had power and he's always been able to hit, so kudos kudos to him to for you know making the bigs and uh and it's it's all thanks to you i think eric i i mean i'm gonna take credit <laughs> for it you know clearly clearly the the quickness and remembering it at 705 in the middle of the top of the first unplugging it and you know um, yep. absolutely taking credit for it um there's a story like that with with me um in beloit where I, I totally forgot about it, and I downloaded the song, um, you know, in the middle of the game, in the middle of the first inning, and I can't remember the guy's name. It was Trey something. Um, 
but he didn't make it to the majors. But this was this was a game in April. There's not that many people in Beloit, Wisconsin, out at the game, um, and about the third inning or so, maybe maybe the fourth inning, somebody says somebody radios up to me and they're like, "Bobby, uh, does that does that song swear?" And and I said, "I don't think so." Like I, I of course. I didn't. I couldn't listen to it because I was, um, you know, playing music constantly, like during the the first inning. Um, yeah. So I couldn't like unplug, you know, the the aux cord and stuff like that. So I downloaded it from YouTube, the clean version. It was titled, um, and sure enough, um, I think you know, in the seventh inning or so, I listened a little closer, and I was like, "Yep, sure does swear." Um, so. Uh, luckily, not that many people were in the ballpark at that point, but um, had to listen a little bit more carefully after that. <laughs> yeah, jeez Louise. Yeah, I think that happened to us a few times where players would pick a walk up and this is clean, this is clean. No, you find yeah. a clean version, and then they changed it. Well, I've never had a coworker in the front office that was fluent in Spanish before. So I could only imagine how many how many dirty songs, you know, we've played over the course of our careers, you know, that that were you know Latin. Um, <laughs> because because we don't understand the language, of course. So yeah, I, I'd love to see the the ratio. I'd be comfortable to say it was probably seventy thirty, where there was a, 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 a curse word in some of the songs. Probably. I, Probably. Oh yeah, probably. So, it is what it is. Yep. So, um, what was that? 2018 was was the year that uh, Delmarva installed a brand new video board. Or no, it was my first year. It was 2017. Yeah. Yeah, and neither of us had worked with a video board before. Um, I came from Beloit, which was you know, the furthest thing away from, from what we could dream of was a video board. Um, shout out to them. They're getting a brand new stadium with a, with a brand new video board. So, um, but so you and I single handedly, um, had to figure this thing out, how to get it to work. Uh, we got power to it. What was that? The day before opening night? Yeah, it was the day before. Well, remember we had the exhibition game. I think, oh, you know what? No, because I have a video of it because Chris and I, Bitters and I were there. The day before the exhibition game, we got power to it. And I remember Chris saying the next morning, yeah, I was getting calls from people because when you first got power to it, it ran through this red, blue, green, yellow, white, you know, and you had to run it for basically 12 hours. Right. And I remember going to the next morning, Bitters was like, Man, you wouldn't believe the amount of calls I got. People are like, "Yeah, your video board is on." And they're just like, "Yeah, I know. Like, we just got power." But <laughs> I have a video somewhere of the first time it got power, and Bitters and I are behind home plate, and Brian, man, I miss that guy. Brian from Electronics, yep. um, mm-hmm. miss that guy. I remember Brian out in front of the new video board. You might have been up in the press box that night. I don't recall. I was, I was there. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're up in the press box. We're down behind home plate. And I got, I'm on the phone with Brian from behind home plate. He's, he's in front of the video board in a, in a lift, in a boom lift. 
and he and he's got glasses on or something where he can't really tell if it turns on because obviously it's bright as anything. Mm-hmm. And he's calling. He's like, "Hey, do you see something?" We're like, "Yeah, we got power. We got power." And it's the day before the exhibition game, so we didn't have the video board for the exhibition game. But we had a scoreboard. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was, but like. Everything like that intertwined with it, like um, the DAC stats, uh, you know the you know basically showing showing the stats on the video board, um, you know arranging the you know the headshots and that kind of stuff, um, having all the files in there correctly and to the right size, um, you know like neither of us had ever experienced anything like that can you kind of just describe that process to the listeners on on how that went yeah so hands down and i think you'd agree with this bobby is that was one you know sales is tough but this was tough yeah um it was your your spot on is we knew nothing Mm -hmm. um if you recall so this would have been fall or winter of 2016 is there was a, a conference that was being put on by other folks within minor league baseball called the Video TX Conference, and they were hosting the inaugural one in Houston. Yep. And we were going to go, if you remember. And then, but at that point in November of sixteen, planning to go into twenty seventeen, we didn't know a hundred percent yet if the new video board was going to go in. So bidders was like, "Wow, well, you know, like, yeah, it'd be beneficial for you guys to go next year because if you guys go now and then something falls through and we don't get the video board." It's just not, you're not going to retain the information. He was spot on. He's right. Right. So we didn't go. So then this whole process with the video board finally gets approved going into 2017. And it was a race to the finish. I mean, between the between the board just going up. And then if you recall, the fiber line that basically had to be run from the press box down below, over into a storage closet, down into the Hall of Fame, Eastern Shore Baseball Hall of Fame, yep. out out or down then through our offices through the conference room through the tunnel out then out kind of near the batting cage above the batting cage and then finally down into the ground and then and that was in that would be on basically you know press box basically you're in center field so all the way down and then down the left field line and for listeners the old delmarva video board well excuse me the scoreboard used to be in left field yep the video board i'll call it the pre-video board man there's stories about that one. Oh my god <laughs> The, 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 the old video board, the original video board, has always been in right field. So they just redesigned that whole structure. Well, that fiber line, because the scoreboard and the video board are now one structure, then once it went underground, it had to be run all, all the way over to right field. And I remember the original fiber line coming, and there wasn't enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we were pushed back another week because they basically had to order another 500 foot of fiber for the electronics company, not Dactronics, one of their one of their partners, mm-hmm. to then come in and run the whole fiber line. So that put us a week back. And Brian, the Dactronics guy, you know, I mean, we we got to know him pretty good, man. Yeah. Uh, and he was a great guy, smart as anything. I mean, geez, I mean, yeah. he worked with he worked with Towson, he worked with University of Maryland, he worked with Loyola, um, basically in the region. Yep. Um, I think he actually helped Salem put in their video board down here. Okay. But the process was grueling because. A lot of it was out of our control, and we knew we were getting this just unbelievable piece of technology with all these different pieces. But you're right. between And then, oh, my gosh, we haven't even talked about the cameras. Yeah. And oh, gosh. camera runs that had to be run to each of the tunnels. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't done by Nectronics. That was done by a third party through Wicomico County and, you know, the way that that project was approved. Mm-hmm. That didn't get done in time. 
Um, that was what it was. And then we had the wireless cam and then the cam in the press box and then trying to get the video board up with the cam in the press box when it was raining and then the video would focus in on the raindrops on the, on the, on the press box window rather than the field. Yep. Time in the music, we had to buy a mixer, and then you have the TriCaster, then you have the three-play system. I mean, we could talk for hours on oh, yeah. the stress that you and I were on. Everybody, I mean, even, you know, Bitters and Jimmy, um, Jimmy Sweet, the AGM, and we were all, we were like, so we were selling this and sponsorships, we were selling these opportunities, we were getting all these pieces and collateral-made videos, you know, Preston Frog Shuffle, and um, all these different things made, and we didn't have a video board yet. Yeah. And it was wild, man. I mean, it was rewarding. Yeah. As you and I both know, I mean, there was multiple occasions, whether it be opening day of that year or when we, you know, when you and I departed at times throughout the 2019 season, whether it would be a video or, you know, like when we did the office night, we played the office episodes on the video board. And when we did all these, you know, Mr. When we had Saved by the Bell night with Mr. Belding or we yeah. brought up, we had, I know we're going to talk about one thing I want to mention is, Chauncey Leopardi, who's, who played squints. We played shots from the sandwich. I mean, all those little things. Remember, you and I just saying, work. Like, this is awesome. Like, it yeah. looks really damn cool on the video board. Yeah, I mean, um, we definitely slaved trying trying to get that thing up and running by opening night. I remember, I think it was the night before opening night, you and I were at the ballpark at least until midnight. Um, uh, at least. I mean, we, and we had the video board on until then. Yeah. And... It's bright as anything, and we're just in the press box. We probably ordered pizza or something from yeah. Papa John's. I don't know where. Yeah. We just we were running up to a deadline, and we knew the deadline was opening day. And it, we we weren't done by by fault of our own. We just until we got to a certain point with the video board, we couldn't create anything. Right. You couldn't create slates. You couldn't create slides. We couldn't test videos until we had power. Yeah. And until we had full power, it was less than a week before. Mm-hmm. Not our fault, but. It, it just that's that's the way the ball rolled but yeah super rewarding um you know oh, you, yeah. you talked about some of the promotions that we were able to implement um and some of the sponsorships that we were able to implement um i i don't think jimmy sweet has thanked us enough honestly um <laughs> but um but yeah I, I just like that process like yeah it was super tough um yep. And I think that that goes into the other duties as assigned aspect, and we'll we'll get to that, you know, as later on in this conversation. But yeah, you and I worked extremely hard and enslaved for hours upon hours upon hours to get that thing up and running um, for the betterment of the team, the stadium, the fans. Um, all of that. So, um, yeah, kudos, kudos to, to us, um, especially. I know you were more in the planning process because I had not arrived there yet. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that is definitely one of the most rewarding um, aspects of, of my minor league baseball career, for sure. I'd agree with that. I mean, even with some of the stuff I'm doing now, um, you know, again, with the virtual – virtual stuff i mean a lot of what we did with the video board translates over to what i'm doing now with a lot of stuff i do with member engagement with, with my current position so it's it's like wild to to think back to some of those things that we knew nothing about and then we did go to the video tx conference that second year in st louis and met a bunch of other folks from around the industry and basically who were 
<laughs> so much more pros at this than us. But I, I mean, I remember you and I like on our flight out, and we were able to do some other cool things in St. Louis. And then the conference was at the ballpark, mm-hmm. um, Cardinal Ballpark, which man, just a cool place. That was just an experience in itself. Yeah. But we just sat there, literally, with our mouth shut, just listening, just like a sponge, just taking it all in. Yep. And. I think we both went, came back there just like, wow, this was worth the money that the team invested in us, and it will help us. And we did. I mean, we took promotions from that. We took notes from that. We got connections that we could reach out to. I mean, all this stuff. Yeah. I Yeah, it was it was definitely amazing. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I'm grabbing another beer real quick. Frank. You and me both. I'll be right back. All right. Sounds good. All right, so this uh, this next question is kind of uh, tongue in cheek, uh, but <laughs> do you have any suggestions for the listeners with working with coworkers you don't necessarily see eye to eye with? Patience, patience, okay. and patience is a virtue. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. I'm not going to say that at all, but. I would say patience and focus on the end goal. Okay. You know, we, just talked, we just talked about the video board. Yeah. And how related to your question here was very, very challenging and kind of always was challenging. Yeah. But we always, I, I feel like we always try to keep the end goal in mind is, is this going to make the experience for the fans better? And if it is, we just kind of have to work through the challenges and work through the crap because we know that this is something that's going to be well received by the fans, whether it be a video or, or whatnot. Um, yeah. I think just patience. And that's, it's, it's a hard question. Yeah. But you know, minor league baseball and the staff spend a lot of time together. That's and, true. Yeah. You know, when the season starts, it's a grind. And as you know, by July and August, we're all tired. Mm-hmm. And, I definitely don't miss that, in a sense. <laughs> right. Um, you know, between tarps and long games and July 4th and Saturday nights and just, you, you get sick and tired of seeing some of your other <laughs> co-workers, not because you don't like them, just you spend so much time with them and just, it, it wears on you. And I think yeah. that's just, that relates to your question, just patience. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. And I'm not, that's not a perfect answer, but patience. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not the only ones that have worked with some um stubborn and bullheaded people um and then not only that um you know yeah minor league baseball is kind of a young person's industry but not necessarily um so there there are going to be generational gaps that you definitely will not see eye to eye with a coworker on and so i i definitely thought it was a a question worth asking um Yeah, you know, I mean, we're definitely not the only ones to to run into that. So, no, you know, it's gonna gonna happen anywhere, whether it's minor league baseball or whatnot. But I think for the listeners out there that you know are kind of through your podcast, you've really been able to give people a, a inside look and kind of the onion peel back of the minor league baseball industry. And you know, 
we're, we're, you know, I mean, we both, you were with Delmar a few years, and then you're with Beloit and Williamsport. So we're veterans as far as it's concerned. I mean, we, as mm-hmm. we go to games for the next five, ten years, we're still going to be able to relate to it. And yeah. as it comes to this question, we're still going to be able to say, hey, maybe, you know, communicate a little bit better. I think communication is probably big, too. And there's countless things where I forgot to tell you something or whatnot, and I think communication and patience is probably the best. And there isn't, you're never going to be able to perfect it. Yeah. Um, but the best way you can mitigate it, I guess, is probably the best kind of advice for listeners out there yeah okay and uh so you oversaw um you know so i didn't i i didn't really see it this way but um so you and i were i more or less saw that as a as a team um i mean but technically you were my boss so um so you oversaw me um the community relations manager um and then the director of broadcasting, and then all yeah. of the game day staff that were in the press box. Um, what's that? And the flock. Yeah, and the and the flock. So, what's the most frustrating thing um, about overseeing you know you know coworkers that you see every day? You know, it's a good question, and I think the frustrating thing and I don't mean this negatively, is this This would be whether it's full-time staff or press box staff or flock staff is expectations and managing expectations. Is, okay. And some of that's on me as the leader and some of that's on the employee, whether it's you, know, you as the communications manager or uh, the, the community relations manager or the director of broadcasting or, or the part-time press box staff, whether it's the the, the public address announcer or the on-field MC or just the flock member or the or the video person is expectations is trying to match what my expectations were right which sometimes then were what sponsors expectations were and obviously there's a lot of money in that as we know it's a, it's a major revenue scene for minor league baseball is just the sponsorship side is I think sometimes a frustrating thing was trying to communicate and manage those expectations of what my expectations were. And I had high expectations for everyone you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that was because of our sponsors, because of the relationships you built through sales. Yeah. And I think I had a little bit different eye, so it was a learning experience for me. I, I think just managing, the frustrating thing was trying to match those expectations on a daily basis, and it's not easy. Yeah, because, I mean, we were dealing with, like, you know, high school kids or college kids. And to them, it's, you know, it's just a part-time job. Um, But, I mean, we both know that it could turn into more, Um, you know, depending on how seriously you take it and how hard you work and and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I mean, yeah, just trying to put into everybody's mind, you know, when you show up here, yeah, it's a fun atmosphere, but you still have to take it seriously. Well, and I think the other thing is, you know, maybe not so much with you or the broadcaster or the community relations manager, but more with the part-time people is we were there all the time. Mm-hmm. And some of the part-time people may have only been there one, two, three games out of a seven-game homestand. Right. So then trying to get them kind of, no pun intended, back in the game and mentally in the game was difficult sometimes. Um, as, as, a, as a leader, it was tough because we're there every day. We know the trends. We know what we saw last night. We know the challenges that happened in the game before, whether when it came to production or flop or on-field MC or whatnot. Um, 
So probably was more frustrating with game day workers, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. Sure. Probably more difficult there than it was with full time. You know, whether it be you know you or the broadcaster, the community relations manager, just because of you know the part time folks working in the press box or on the field, they weren't there every day like us. They came in at five thirty six o'clock on a game day when sometimes we'd be there since seven damn a.m. Yep. Um, it just it was what it was. Yep. Exactly. So I'm going to jump ahead a question here just because it ties in. Uh, what's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of a, out of work? I mean, I, there's probably a litany of them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, I would have to say probably the best, and this probably isn't even a good one, is just, oh, I forgot that I was working. <laughs> it's like we have seven, you have 70 potential games you can work. Yeah. And you're not even going to work all 70 of them unless you're the on-field MC or the public address announcer. Like, even if you're, you know, the official scorer, they weren't working every game. Yep. Oh, I forgot. How do you forget? <laughs> There's 14 days out of the month that you have the potential to work, basically. 14 to 16, basically, because I didn't schedule on a monthly basis. Right. I think I just forgot. Um, certainly there was, you know, I overslept. You know, some folks would have jobs during the day. I'd get that. Uh, we're not going to name him by name. But you and I know one person in the press box that probably would have the top five reasons of not working. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, was, I wish I could think of them. We can just have a nice little internal inside joke laugh. I feel like I forgot was probably one by him. Love the kid to death. Well, that and I there, was, there was another thing. Um, he had to attend an event that he was volunteering at. Um, yeah, that's right. And and right. and I said to him, "But you get paid to come here, so like, <laughs> why don't you come right. here instead?" And that's he's right. that, that you know when you're you're now that now that we're talking about it, that's probably the best is I have to be at something I volunteer for, and I can't come to work. And I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was well, even just, I forgot. <laughs> like, I, maybe that's just again goes back to your previous question of managing expectations. It's like. How do you forget? I give you the schedule a month in advance. You yep. typically get it a week before the new month starts, regardless of when the homestand were to start in that next month. Yep. You have plenty of time to set your calendar, to mark your date, your date. I, just, I don't know. Yeah, it's with just, with technology, like you know, you, you send out the schedule via email, and then yeah. you know you can just put it in your phone, like. And you would get reminders like an hour in advance if you set it up that way. I don't understand yeah, like how you could how you could forget. Um, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. That's so. Um, you and I both know that working in minor league baseball, um, all of the job descriptions say other duties as assigned, um, yeah. and that yeah. that is that opens up a whole can of worms. Um, and it does. I mean, especially working in Beloit when we only had like four full-time staff members, um, other duties as assigned was basically, you know, probably 75% of my job. Um, But what is, you know, what is a a situation that you remember like, yeah, this is definitely other duties as assigned? Yeah. You know, there was a lot to come to mind. There isn't one that tops the chart, but I'm looking at my other screen here with some notes so the first one would be i don't know what year it was you might have been there is the visiting team hotel was very close to the stadium in delmarva uh-huh. um 
you could, you know, if it wasn't for the trees, you could see it from yep. the press box or, you know, from the, from the roof. Yep. Is the visiting team hotel bus had broken down and it was like, it was stuck in the visiting team hotel parking lot. So I remember good other duties as assigned as, you know, myself, assistant general manager, Jimmy Sweet, and a handful of others. We literally had to go pick the players up to get them over for BP. Oh. And there was the expectation that we might have to take them back after the game if the bus wasn't fixed. So certainly that's not on a job description of taking your car, whether it's one mile or 20 miles, to the visiting team hotel to pick up the visiting team just so they can get to the ballpark. Right. Um, that would definitely be number one. Number two would be, and I don't know if this was before you or not, is before the press box had full air conditioning, is there was no AC in the press box. Oh, gosh. Okay. So this was before you then. So, again, the yeah. years, they kind of run together. Yep. Is the, definitely a top other duties as assigned is just imagine a hot July day on Delmarva in Salisbury. Now the press box windows in Delmarva are different. I haven't seen them, but yeah. I know they're different. They're nice. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've seen them on MILB TV, and they look great. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of see the difference of that. Again, kind of going through the nightmares of what I'm about to say. <laughs> it is just imagine a hot, hot July or August day, no AC in the press box. Game days were dripping in sweat. Like, yeah. We're just all of us. There's, there is, I mean, we go through a case of water a day with the staff. Yep. For, press box staff, not front office. Yeah. Best other duties as assigned is going up basically at 1 o'clock on a game day and turning on about a dozen fans between the box fans that we would use in the tunnels. We had both of those up there. You put water in. You put. You have to fill it up with water in the in the uh, you know the janitorial closet so that it could blow AC. Right. Quote um, turning on. I mean, we have we. I'd have to go up and turn on 12 fans just to get air flowing through there. And honestly, that didn't even really make a difference. Because come three o'clock when the sun's just beating in on the windows, it's just getting hot as anything up there. But yeah, definitely turning all the fans on in the in the press box to make it a little bit more comfortable for the workers. Now, mind you, this is pre-video board. I can't imagine not having AC with all that video board equipment. I mean, it would overheat. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and it, it would just you know, it, it wasn't a criticism to to Delmarva or you know any of the any of the, the, the processes in the way the stadium was. Just we just had a heck of a year that year with the AC just working and we just couldn't get it fixed man um two more that come to mind are just helping concessions out <laughs> is, you know that was definitely another duties as the sign up you probably dealt with it more in Beloit yeah but certainly in Del Mar but it was a very very rare thing to have to literally go help concessions whether it be make hot dogs um I remember being on the grill one night in the concession stand making chicken tenders and fryers and grilling burgers. Like I don't have that experience. I don't right. you know, but it's what you have to do or pouring beer on a thirsty Thursday or a big beer Friday. The ultimate though, you remember this. July fourth. Remember when the microphone broke? Yes. Before first pitch. Yep. And good old Tyler, Tyler Horton, our public address announcer at the time. It just broke, and then he goes, I don't know what happened. And I look down underneath the, the countertop, and I'm like, yeah, it's right here. And I have the microphone in one hand and the wire in the other. And I have Jimmy Sweet on the field saying, hey, what happened? I said, hey, the microphone broke. Give me a minute, and we'll be back with you. Yeah. And if you recall, yep. you had to be up in the press box the whole time. Jordan LeBeer, who's now the PA announcer, was the on-field MC at the time. We set up a six-foot table behind home plate on July 4th. The yep. biggest crowd of the year, 7,000-plus in the stands. Yep. And literally had this, like, I don't want to call it, you know, like this four-by-four four medley relay of 
Jordan giving me the on-field mic to give the Tyler to do the PA to announce the batters, then back to Jordan to do the on-field. But you never knew when the inning was going to end, so Tyler might have needed it to announce a batter or to announce a promotion. And as soon as Jordan was done, he'd have to bring the, bring the microphone back behind him plate so Tyler could do an in-between in, in inning read. Yeah. July 4th, 10 minutes before game time, the microphone goes out and literally put a six-foot table behind him plate just to be able to pull off the production. That is the top other duties as a sign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. That was um that that went as smoothly as it could have gone. Um but yeah, definitely something that you don't want to have to deal with. Like yeah, if that would have happened like, you know, the first couple weeks in April, it would have been one thing, you know, but like for July 4th, like this is the game that everybody's coming to. Um because we have the best uh, fireworks show on Delmarva. Um, And so, um, but yeah, I mean, shout out to everybody who was just willing to, to kind of just mold their nights, like just to, just to change, you know, to make that work. So. And it was within minutes. Like we had to have a plan in like two minutes. Yeah. Um, And it worked, it, it, it worked out well. No, no fan would have known the difference. Yeah. I mean, you know, season ticket holders were like, what are you doing behind the plate? Right. No idea. Yeah. Tell you later after I have a beer. Yeah, just sleep me alone for a while. Yeah. 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 It worked well, but definitely top other duties as a side moment. It has to be. Oh, I agree. That's, that. yeah, that's that's up there for sure. Yeah. Um, so that was... A pretty strange thing that you've had to assist with during a game. Um, we've also had, you know, people, fans running onto the field. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. what's the strangest thing that you've had to assist with during a game? You know, this was a tough one to think about because, again, there's probably many that mold together. But you know, the the top one that comes to mind wasn't about a fan running on the field. But was about a fan that um, I don't think I, I think had a little bit too much to drink. Okay. And I think was dealing with some other challenges resulting what he what they were putting in their body. And mm. created a situation at the near the end of the game and post game that was really just odd. Um, to the point of bothering a concessions worker and, and that person's uh, guardian and following them to the parking lot and impersonating a police officer. And then, oh. um, you know, we're trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Cause you got, you know, it was just very, very weird because the, the, the person that was doing this, like we knew, him. like we knew who this person was, oh. you know, like we knew who the person was. And, and clearly this, this person was not in the right frame of mind, whether it be through alcohol or, or, or some drug related activity. We have no idea. It was very, very just, it was just, weird you know i mean the situation got controlled and all of us were involved looking for him and then ultimately we had to catch him in the parking lot and the cops came and all this other stuff it was just weird um and then i recall another situation of one of our flock members getting water thrown on them during the sherwood ride around from the visiting team oh yep the you know the, the truck comes back around and the employee uh, the employee says hey I just got water thrown on me and, and this person was really upset and then trying to piece together the stories and uh, yeah just and those are probably the first two that come to mind um, I have no idea what years they were but multiple situations with you know fans that were just like what 
Yeah. What's going on? Like, is it a full moon tonight? Yeah. Sometimes, so, sometimes you have those. Man. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's you know, and I, I tell those stories with with some pause just because you know clearly the, the first situation was you know that, that person needed help. Yeah. Um, it just happened to be at the ballpark when uh, we're the ones that have to kind of deal with it. Right. Um, clearly, that person needed some assistance. And I believe they got it. So ultimately, you know, good came out of it. But right. I think all the strange situations definitely res- it needed some additional uh, guidance from the community. So ultimately, it worked out. Okay. That yeah, that was definitely before my time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what's the best and worst promotion <clears throat> that you've been a part of? Oh man, you know, I, I'm looking at a list of things and. You know, the best one wasn't even a result of us, but the best promotion was when Tim Tebow was with the Columbia Fireflies and the Columbia Fireflies came to town. Yeah. That was the best promotion, Mm -hmm. clearly, because it drove ticket sales to numbers that we had never seen before. Right. But we had no control on that. All it was, you know, people calling us, yes, Tim Tebow playing? Well, we know he's on the team. He's on the roster for the Columbia Fireflies. We don't know if he's going to play. We don't know if he's going to travel. But yes, he is on the roster. He is not on the DL. Yeah. So, but it just, it drew stupid ticket numbers. And Tim Tebow, cool guy. Um, yep. That was when you were there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was going to say is. Because we, we had to host, we had to host a, we had to host a press conference for a visiting player for the first yeah. time ever. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool experience just to be able to, you know, say hello and just be near him, like, he is as advertised. It's a great dude, class act. Yep. Very, very cool. But the best promotion, seriously, was that. Yeah. Um, you know, by far in eight years, when it comes to a driving ticket sales, which is what most minor league teams are doing when they're deciding their promotions, is what's going to drive ticket sales? What's going to be the most popular thing for fans to want to come out and enjoy the game, but also enjoy X promotion? And now he's the tight end um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yep. Yep. So um, that has to be the best. My favorite, though was when we brought Squints out, Chauncey Leopardi from the from the from from the sandlot. Yeah. Um, I, you took him back to the airport in Baltimore. I went up the night before, stayed in a hotel because his flight that we had booked for him came in at five thirty the next morning. Yep. Um the booking agency gave him my wrong cell phone number. Yeah. So and I didn't have his cell phone number at the moment. Um so I'm like driving around BWI looking for him. It's 5.30 in the morning, so there's not a lot of people to choose from. So I'm like going, all right, can I recognize this guy? Like yeah. he's decades older than when the Sandlot came out. And sure enough, I'm like putting down the window, hey, Chauncey? Chauncey's hey, <laughs> yeah, 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 are you here? Yeah. Hey, why didn't you call me? Well, they gave me your wrong cell phone number, and it was a digit off. Yeah, oh, I do remember that. That explains why I never heard from you when you landed. He goes, yeah, I... Tried to text you, tried to call you, and it was an invalid number. So I'm like, what the heck? Like, are they giving me some rent? I'm like, no, I'm here. He goes, well, what's the last digit of your cell phone number? And I told him, he goes, yeah, it was a digit off. Yep. Man. But, but that was that was my favorite promotion. Yeah. The worst promotion, <sighs> there were some bobbleheads that didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of that was weather-related. Some of that was confusing. It's like, well, this should have done well. Why didn't it do well? Yeah. Um, That'll happen. The worst one probably was when we did a cornhole, attempted to do a cornhole tournament during a Sunday afternoon game. This is before your time. Okay. Um, we attempted to do a cornhole tournament with a package ticket, a meal voucher, and all that. Just bombed. I mean, probably the people that were there had a good time. 
total failure. Yeah. Total failure. Um, frustrating, total failure. I would say that the, the other one that probably didn't do very well was when you were there was the human cannonball. Yeah, um, we could have we could have planned that a little bit better, I think. Yeah, it, or timed it, was, it better. It didn't do well. The, the it was cool. Yeah, but it, it was almost like for for what we had paid for all the effort of the game day staff having to be a part of the field crew and all this other stuff. It just didn't do well. It didn't drive tickets as we all anticipated. Yeah. Um, and then when when Delmarva brought Mountain Man um, from Duck Dynasty out. I think that was 2014 or 2015. You know, it was a meet and greet. It was okay, but when you look at what the promotion costs to what the ticket sales drove and what the fans were that night, it was like, hmm. Yeah. Didn't really do well, but Squints was my favorite. Mr. Belding, we brought Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell. Um, Tyler's Amazing Balancing Act. Those were cool. Multiple Machado bobbleheads always did very, very well. I mean, there's a litany of just good promotions that yeah. that, were, that were good. You're so, you're meeting up with uh, Tyler here soon, aren't you? I am. Yes, he's going to be in uh, at the Tennessee Smokies game um, coming up here in June, and or in June. Excuse me. I guess we're in June at this point. Um, yeah. Once so, this comes out, yeah, yeah he's going to be at the Tennessee Smokies game, and one of our former coworkers, Andrew Bryant, lives in uh, Alabama now, and uh, we're going to meet up kind of in the middle, and that's. Kodak, Tennessee slash Knoxville, and um, you know he's the promotion that night, and I, I think we're gonna we're gonna try to play some golf with him too earlier today. Nice. So it'll be cool to see him. Um, you know, it'll be cool to see him. So that's just one of those relationships that you build through a promotion, just random. Right, right. Um, if I think with my time during Delmarva, um, you know, my worst one. I lobbied really hard for the Jimmy Allen bobblehead, Um, and it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. Um, I'm actually going to a Jimmy Allen concert in August, I believe, Um, but um, I think maybe, so he's from this area, but maybe just a little too far away, or we didn't have the right demographic, or what... um, but we had the opportunity to to get him to make an appearance and sing yeah. the national anthem and stuff like that. Um, and then he kind of blew up from there and his price went up. If I don't know if it would have been better if he would have been there in person, but, I mean, we'll just always have to wonder about that. But, um, yeah, yeah. Chaun- you know, booking, booking uh, Chauncey Leopardi, um, a.k.a. Squints, was was a highlight for sure um you know going back and forth with his booking agency and and uh getting all that coordinated was uh cool and then um one of the things and i'm not a star wars person at all but um i think you know i kind of helped introduce um del marva to star wars night um i remember that yeah yeah because which was great I mean, clearly a knock-it-out-of-the-park promotion. Yeah, I mean, um, you guys had never done one before, and we brought it up in the marketing meeting, and I I said, like, hey, it's just a matter of, like, you know, emailing back and forth and, you know, filling out the right forms and that kind of stuff, because I had done it with Beloit before. um, And, and yeah, I think those turned out pretty well, um, especially the first one, for sure. Um, But, 
those were those were the best and worst promotions from my time in Delmarva. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of of bad. A lot of ones were like this should have done well. Other ones that were ruined because of weather, which is out of our control. And right, yeah, yeah. Um, So, you and I oversaw the social media for the most part. Um, You know, the broad the broadcaster, you know, did some here and there, Um, but so. Is there a particular like weird social media message or comment that you saw while ru- while running a team account? Yeah, so I think one that we you know we would see every Saturday fireworks game is what time are the fireworks starting? Yeah, <laughs> after the game. What time is that? When the last out is thrown. Well, what time do you think that's going to be? No idea. Yeah. Not it, a clue. It could be two hours and 30 minutes, or it could be four and a half hours. Yeah, not a clue. Um, that was definitely, I don't want to call it the weirdest, but definitely the, uh, can I say, dumbest yeah. question that we would get. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, what? I don't know. I'm just going to say, all right, the game has going to be done at 10 10. And, you know, I mean, there was games that you recall where. Man, we, it was a long game. It was dragging on. We're like, we just need to be able to get the fireworks in at this point because of the curfew. Right. Um, and there was definitely times that game ends and you hear Jimmy Sweet, hey, we're getting started in five minutes. Shoot it. Let's go. Go, 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 go. Let's yeah. countdown. Let's go because we were trying to beat that time frame. <laughs> and it was like it was a hassle to have to reset everything up. So right. that was definitely that. But the weirdest, definitely before your time, honestly, might have been when I was a mentor and I really had to dig deep on this, is – Somebody claiming that they had a picture of a shorebird. The shorebird is not a real animal. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, the shorebird, I don't know the whole history, but Doc, Doc Passwater, Richard Passwater, who is probably the team historian, um, yeah. was a season ticket holder from day one, and I believe... He was very instrumental in the team name being chosen. This is back in 1994, 95, going into the 96 season. Yeah. The shorebird is not a real animal. It's fake. <laughs> like, the closest thing to it would be a great blue heron, which is very synonymous with the Eastern Shore. Sure. And I remember, it had to be my intern year when Brett Lasky, um, who was the broadcaster at the time, and he oversaw all the interns. God, I miss that guy, Brett Lasky. Brett Lasky, if you're listening or you do listen... I miss you, man. You were, Brett Lasky was the man. Um, it had to be my intern year when I think he came over and the intern was helped run social media at that time. And Craig Campbell, who's with the Coyotes out in Phoenix, the NHL team, I clearly remember Brett coming to us saying, yeah, somebody just said they have a picture of a shorebird and they want to share it with us to hang in the stadium. No, <laughs> you don't. You might have a great blue heron, but the shorebird is fake. Yeah. Like, what? So I That's really funny. had to dig deep into the vault on that one, but That's funny. Might have been my inaugural year, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, but yeah. The shorebird is not a real animal, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. <laughs> it's a very perfect name for the team. Right. No. Oh, which goes back to best promotion on names, Dunmark Scrapple. Yes. Okay. Best Dunmark Scrapple. Yep. Yep. If you don't know what Scrapple is, look it up. I uh, I just was cleaning out some some clothes and came across my Delmarva Scrapple T-shirt. Oh my gosh! I have my hat somewhere, 
somewhere here as well. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, the shout out to um, the folks that run the merchandise now for the Shorebirds. They have a Delmarva Scrapple Adley Rutschman jersey, um, so which is a big hit, clearly. Yeah. But um, so we we came across some weird interactions that you've had with fans. But what is the all time weirdest? Oh boy. There was probably more when I did a on-field MC. Yeah. When I was in the press box. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know on this. I don't know if I can give you a good answer on this. This is definitely a question when you sent them over that, that stumped me. Okay. Um, there was there was a situation, Cheerwine, which is a, you know, a, a southern drink. Oh. Um, Great drink. Pepsi product, I believe. It has to be a Pepsi product. Yeah, because Del Marco is a Pepsi facility. They did a promotion for a, a Cheerwine scooter. Ooh. This was probably 2013, 2012, 2013, 2014. And they did a promotion for a Cheerwine scooter. Nice. And, you know, went through it all. And the gentleman that won, um, was just super excited to win this scooter. And it's like, hey, all power to you, man. Like, all power to you, brother. Like, it's a chairline scooter. Congratulations. Like, hey, if it's what got you to come to the game, great. I don't know. Maybe, like, that's, I guess the one thing that comes to mind is just that was a weird interaction. Got to know the guy, again, through relationships. Got to know his family. And they did some tickets and did some ticket plans. Great family, great people. But very, just a very weird interaction on the day that he won the scooter because of how, like, the promotion went down. Okay. Um, how the congratulations with them. Like, he was super excited. It's like, all right, like, it's just a scooter. But, um, I don't know. I remember the assistant general manager, Jimmy Sweet, who's still there with Del Mar. I remember us laughing about it after the game. It's like, what? Like, maybe we just need to put ourselves in the shoes of a fan and, like, the excitement level. But it was just weird. Yeah. Great people got to know the people because of that experience, got to know the people very well over my time there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely a strange. At least uh, I'll call it first impression, I guess. Okay. I, I haven't met the guy. I haven't met, met the family. So All right. that's probably it. All right. Fair enough. And uh, this is the Pooling Tart podcast. So I got to ask, over your eight years in minor league baseball, do you have any wild or crazy tarp stories? Oh, man. Um, I can think of one in particular. but Yeah, I mean – definitely a lot i would say just the craziest ones are when the storms would be rolling in and, and you know and as you remember bobby and most fans you know that have gone to minor league games and listeners out there if you haven't or have seen it you'll, you'll typically see when there's rain coming you'll see kind of all the front office regardless of what stadium you're at you'll kind of see them all gathered together yep um definitely multiple occasions where the storm came in way too quick for us to even get the tarp on um i would say those are probably the wildest um are just the ones where you're waiting on the umpires to give you the AOK in game to put the tarp on, and you know it's coming. You see the storm coming in over the press box and over from the west, right? And you see the storm coming, and you just can't do anything about it. I, I have to say, those the wild ones are probably when you're just itching to put the tarp on. You don't know how the storm storm's going to react, and as soon as the storm comes in, you just can't get the tarp on. Like multiple times where the tarp would literally fly out of your hand. Because yep. of the pressure and the air pressure going up underneath of it, you just can't get it on. Yeah. And then, 
you know, the pop-up storms, those are definitely the wild tarp stories of just on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off of tarp yeah. throughout the day. And, oh, my gosh, uh, just the summertime storms in Delmarva um, and how they come across the bay. And sometimes they die and sometimes they get even worse. Yep. I think just in general, just the wild, the wild tarp stories of when wild storms would come in, whether it be just torrential downpours that you couldn't get the tarp on, whether it be wind that would literally just take the tarp out of your hands and you'd have to get the hell out of the way yep. and just let it blow. Those would probably be the wild ones. I, I know I'm probably missing one. Um, typically, players would not let us, you know, players would not be allowed to help pull tarp, but there definitely was some occasions that it was just so bad that the players felt bad and they would come out and help us pull tarp. And then they'd get in trouble, but they wouldn't really care. Right. Um, but definitely... I do remember a tarp story of we were playing Charleston and it's when, when Aaron Judge was with the River Dogs. Okay, yeah. And not a wild, I mean, I guess you could call it a wild tarp story just because it's like you're down there, me, who I'm tall, as you know, I mean, I'm 6'4". Yeah. Aaron Judge is huge. Yeah. And the tarp's on and you're just, you know, I'm just sitting there chatting, chit-chatting with Aaron Judge in the tunnel. Obviously, we now know he's a major league superstar. So that would be just a wild tarp story in the positive, just those right. experiences you experienced for minor league baseball and i know you have plenty of them with players that are currently in the majors and yeah yeah that's that's true um but yeah shout out to chris bitters he never uh put anybody in danger um if it if it was too windy he would tell us to let it go and we would come out at 7 a.m the next morning and and pick up the tarp in the outfield um he yeah he he never put us in danger but um the one that sticks out to my mind, not that it was a crazy, you know, adventure putting on the tarp. It was, so we had a game that went uh, 20 innings, and then, yeah, we, uh, you know, it, we had to put the tarp on at, what was that, one thirty in the morning, yeah. um, and then come back the next day. And take the tarp off at seven a.m. Um, yeah, because of the heat. Yeah, because because you don't want the field to burn out. Right. Be- yeah, because you know it would have burned the grass for sure. Yeah. And you and I were sitting at IHOP, and we were just looking at all of the national news stories that picked it picked it up. Like that, you know, this game's still not over. You know, it was still tied two two, I believe. Um, yeah, and, you're right. Yeah, and we were we were going into the 21st inning that we had to continue the next day, um, and I think it was I think it was like three pitches, and the guy hit a solo bomb, and we yeah. didn't we didn't score in the bottom of the 21st. Play. Yeah, we had to do a double play at the end of the 21st. Yeah, um, so that one sticks out in my mind, um, just just because of you know. We put it on really late, and we had to put it back, put or um, take it off at super early in the morning. Like we had almost no sleep at that point. Um, yeah. But um, needless to say, with the new rules, there are no games that are going to be twenty-one innings anymore. No, uh, that's going to be. I mean, the South Atlantic League is no more because of the adjustments with minor league baseball. But that is that is going to be a Delmarva record forever mm-hmm. um, but I do remember two things is if you recall we were at Denny's one morning after taking the tarp off and it started raining at Denny's yeah. which 
Remember that? Yeah, you know, I do. Like, there was like six of us at Denny's, and it's pouring outside, and we're like, what the hell? So we all pay real quick just to go back to put the tarp on. Yeah. Remember, there was like five. Everybody else had gone home. You know, we pulled. We actually pulled the tarp off at seven a.m. that day. Typically, the front office staff we go get breakfast. Yeah. Well, a handful of us. Yep. We went to Denny's. It starts pouring at Denny's, which for the listeners out there, from Denny's to Arthur W. Purdue Stadium is not even a quarter mile. Yeah. I mean, if that, and it's pouring, we're like, uh, we gotta go. So we pay real quick, get back, we get the tarp, remember we got the tarp back on the field with about four people. Yep. And then we ended up taking it off about 45 minutes later because then the sun came out. Right. I remember that one, and then the other, and I know, I know you've talked about it on the podcast before, and it's a classic, classic moment, is the wild tarp story of Ocean Mist. That's all I'm gonna say. Ocean mist. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Ocean mist. It would There was a concert that was happening here in Roanoke the other day, and my wife and I were considering going, and we didn't go because there was nothing on the radar, but it was still raining. So we're like, "Oh, this is just ocean mist." Now, mind you, Roanoke, Virginia is in Southwest Virginia, hours upon hours from the beach and from the ocean, and we're saying ocean mist. Ocean mist. <laughs> It wouldn't be um, two two people that worked in Dalmarva uh, without come, bringing up Ocean Mist. That's for sure. Ocean Mist. So uh, we Ocean did Mist. we did have some listener questions. Um, yeah. So let's see here. All right. So our buddy Chip Wadowitz, um yeah. he asked. Why are the Ravens going to win the Super Bowl this year? Which they're not going to, but go ahead and answer the question. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's a great question by listener Chip Woodwitz. I mean, the reason the Ravens will win the Super Bowl this year is simply, and Chip, I, Chip knows what I'm going to answer, and I, I hope, Chip, I hope I don't let you down. The reason the Baltimore Ravens will win the Super Bowl is because of one man and one man only, and that is Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, because Lamar, it's definitely, definitely not going to be because of his receivers, that's for sure. Uh, excuse me. I mean, they've done <laughs> a great job, first of all. And Lamar Jackson, so Skip, cheers, brother. <laughs> and uh, Kathy D'Amato asked uh, um, him how much he loves Touch of Brass. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Kathy knows the question. Touch of brass. I, 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 not knowing if they listen, they're nice people. They're great people. Oh, touch of brass. <laughs> She's happy. Put me on the spot. <laughs> um, the touch of brass. They are national anthem veterans. That's Del Marva, for yep. sure. Um, yes, they are national anthem veterans. They are great people challenging to deal with when it comes to weather and logistics and tickets and comp tickets at will call and all that but yeah kathy got me speechless which does not happen very often so <laughs> shout out kathy and she, she knows that's a great question <laughs> greg clemens asked ask him what was the closest he got to being rolled up in the tarp oh geez yeah there was multiple times where i'd fallen um <laughs> And had to get up pretty pretty darn quickly. Um, I would think all of us have had a moment where we felt like we were going to get pulled up in the tarp. Yeah. Probably more when you're tired. Yeah. Or when it's pouring rain and, you know. You slip. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. 
You said his name was Greg? Yeah. Yeah, so Greg, since you're listening, or what, you know, we'll be listening to podcasts, is multiple times that you almost slipped and or slipped and had to get up. So didn't happen at that often. Um, certainly, um, that would probably go into wild tarp stories, a little bit of folks that fell and had to kind of crawl their way out. I never got that bad. Yeah. But certainly a few times where I slipped a little bit and had to get up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then... I'm pretty sure this is Chip too, but he texted this to um, the number that I had have set up with Google Voice, which is two zero two seven nine six TARP, and um, he said, first off, Eric, big trust, big woo, and then second, what is the one thing you miss most about working in minor league baseball?" Great question. It is Chip. It's got to be because he would be the only one to say "big trust, big woo." Yeah. <laughs> um, the listeners can't see because we're you know this is radio, but I'm holding the trust sign up. <laughs> I'm holding the trust sign up. We're on Zoom and hold the trust sign up. Um, I, I think just the the moments, the moments. You know, I think back to Tim Tebow coming. I think back to the JC Encarnacion Grand Slam. Yeah. The first homestand of the season in 2019, and literally, it's against Lakewood. Shout out to Greg, Greg G, broadcaster in Lakewood. Former guest on this part. Former um, guest on this podcast. Yes, former guest. That's right. JC Encarnacion Grand Slam. You're talking about an in the moment reaction. The entire press box is screaming. Yeah. Definitely not the ethical thing to do in minor league baseball when you have a visiting broadcaster, but Greg understood because it's yeah. like one of those moments. It's got to be the moments, you know, the 21 inning game, Tim Tebow, Yerman, yep. you know, JC, um, all the promotions, you know, opportunity to meet Squints, the interact with him, the drive back with him on the ride back from Baltimore, um, Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell, you know, all the promotions, um, just the people you meet, the players, I mean, the interaction you get with the correct players, you know, Grayson Rodriguez to Manny Machado to Jonathan Scope to Stevie Wilkerson to Austin Wins. I mean, these are all guys that you know. Yep. And in minor league baseball, those are everyday appear those are everyday occurrences. You yeah. know, um geez, Ruben Garcia, who's with the Tigers right now. Um, just yep. those people you get to meet. And these guys are everyday people. Yep. Um, yes, some of them make a lot more money than than we ever will. Um, but they're just normal people. They just want to be treated like normal people. Um, and they're just cool people to know. Yeah. It's definitely the moments. Definitely the moments, whether it be games or John Means. I mean, he threw a no-hitter for the O's a couple weeks ago. He yeah. threw a no-hitter for the Shorebirds yep. um, back in 2015 in July against the River Dogs. And, you know, that was in Del Mar. Like, that, that's a moment that right. you just don't forget. And those stories. I mean, we've talked about it this whole podcast of just stories and moments. And, you know, fans you, you help and sponsors you work with. I mean, Brooks Toy Closet comes to mind as far as probably one of my yep. favorite theme nights we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the office night. We all wore the the, the, the shirts out behind home plate of the, the Meredith Palmer celebrity. You know, I can't even go through it. I but the office night. I mean, just yep. the moments. The mo- yeah. long, a, a very long answer to your question, but the moments for sure. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. That is, that and the camaraderie between, you oh, know, yeah you know the rest of the front office um you know but because you're it it is like a team atmosphere you know like you and i you know we get we gave up on being professional athletes when we were you know young you know and that was that was pretty much the closest thing you know we were 
yeah, it we were working, but we were working as a team, um, you know, trying to accomplish a goal, and yeah. you know that that's what I miss the most for sure the the teamwork, the camaraderie. Um, but uh, so, where can the listeners find you on social media, Sish? Yeah, so I don't really use Twitter, so um, and I'm very selective on my Facebook. But um, I would say, you know, I, I with what I do now for work, I mean, a lot of it's LinkedIn. So yeah. I, I would tell folks to, to find me on LinkedIn, just my name. Um, everybody, it's funny, Bobby. Now, I'm trying to get people to call me Sish now. Sish, <laughs> the name Sish kind of died when I left Delmarva. Oh, okay. I'm trying to get people more to call me Sish. So um, <laughs> certainly, you know, find me on LinkedIn. Um, S-I-C-H-A-U, Eric Sichel, um on LinkedIn is probably the best. I know there's a lot of listeners that are folks in the industry and folks that are looking to get into the industry would love to connect, would love to just chat about what what I experienced and different things in my league baseball. So definitely LinkedIn. I'm not a Twitter guy. I don't use Twitter. Oh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Okay. Um, I think it's at, for, uh, at, at Eric underscore Sichel, I think. Uh, I'll, con- I'll confirm. But yeah, that's probably the best. But you know, shoot me a shoot me a DM on Instagram to say you're a listener. Um, you know, just so I accept you as following me on Instagram. But your listenership has grown tremendously, and would love to be able to connect with other folks around the industry that that are still in minor league baseball and are not, and other listeners that have just you know kind of stumbled upon the Pulling Tart podcast and continue to be uh, supporters of you. So yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're. Your uh, Instagram handle is just Eric Sichel. Oh, okay. That's oh, it. All, all okay. So yeah, we're we're good go. there. Um, and then, so we end this every episode with the same question, and you know it's because I was always the guy that had to edit and download the different walk up songs. Um, John Palufo more than any. Um, also, B.J. Boyd, um, who you don't know, but was in Beloit. Um, he was the reason I made a, you know, you can change your walk-up song two times a year rule. Um, actually, he was out of baseball for a long time, actually played some college football, um, community college, and now he's back. Uh, he was with the Lancaster Barnstormers, and then um, his contract got picked up by the Minnesota Twins, and he's had two games with the Wichita Wind Surge now, and yeah, hit yeah. or they're Double A now, um, Sorry, and uh, his first game with them went four for four with two doubles, two singles, and like four or five RBI, um, and he was one of the guys that changed his walk-up song every single day um but um so during your minor league baseball career what has been your favorite walk-up song and whose was it yeah so really had to think about this one because obviously there's hundreds upon hundreds um and another gentleman that would change his walk-up song probably more than he should was Seamus Curran yeah that's Um, for sure Seamus great player good guy Never liked his walk-up. Yep. So my top walk-up, I don't remember what year he was with Delmarva. He then went to the Phillies. I'm not sure if he's in baseball anymore. He was a catcher. Gabriel Gabriel Lino. Okay. Gabriel Lino, catcher, was with Delmarva. Favorite walk-up song was his. It was Danza Kudoro. It was like... Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Like something like that. Yeah. So, probably just got your listeners to not want to listen out because I was singing. But, <laughs> um, definitely his. Danza Kudoro, Gabriel Lino, catcher for Delmarva, probably 2013, 2014. Okay. That's the first one that came to mind, and I'm sticking with it. All right. Perfect, man. Well, we'll ride out with that. And uh, just thank you so much for taking the time. Um, you know, you took time out of your Memorial Day uh, to, to come chat with me and uh, enjoy a few beers. And, uh, and yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast, Sish. Yeah, it's been fun reminiscing. We went through a lot of moments, a lot of experiences, and a lot of stories that I kind of had to dig out of the well before you were there that uh, really just kind of sum up a, a great career and great experience in my league baseball. And to all the listeners, Delmarva is my home, so Delmarva and all those folks there will always be uh, have a special near dear to my heart with season ticket holders and all the staff and between Jimmy and Chris and Pat Philippone and, and the Volpe family. I mean, they were instrumental, instrumental, every single one of them in different ways to, to where I am today. So yeah. shout out to all of them. Yeah, shout out to them. And, and yeah, thanks again so much, Sish. Yeah, appreciate it. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.